The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king God made me punch in accurate numbers My castle won't crumble What I tackle will fumble I've been a leader when they ain't see it But now my feet is up According to me royalty didn't end with King Tut Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs Big says sky is the limit I look down on the ledge I push the bar like I'm opening the cell Hands in my cookie jar You won't come out with a single nail I need all of mine The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale What's a king to a giant? Well, Goliath fell even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked. I make all my moves on the board. I invented my steps. Uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler. I feel like Mansa Musa. Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda. Triangle, look at it from my angle. I'm a king, the closest things to being one of God's angels. Yeah. I'm a king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night This is the Code of Conduct with the King Podcast and I am back I'm back and I'm excited about it This is off season mode for your boy Jay Spencer King But um, I've been saying this for a couple weeks I'm on vacation, I'm on vacation I don't know how much of a vacation I'm really on Cause I've been active, I've been out here balling But I got my dog with me. I got my brother, my best friend, like for real, for real best friend since like fifth grade type best friend. And uh, but he's more than my best friend at this point. He's a big freaking deal out here in these Buffalo streets. So let's let's introduce my brother, my man and him, Mr. Kyrie Stevens from BNMC. What's up, man? Man, you know, what an introduction, dog. You know what I'm saying? I'm feeling that. I, ain't you know, I, I don't know if I'm a big deal yet, but I'm, I'm, try- I'm trying to be, you know what I mean? I'm doing a little something. Man, uh, you already know what it is. And I mean, you're a big deal because the reason why I wanted to have you on the show fits your job. You, you This is something that. that you do. This is something that you are. Um, you're a big deal. Like, just just accept it. I'm a bit of an expert. I'm a, a, little, a bit of an expert. Hey, thank you. I, I, just, I appreciate you being honest for once because you don't know how to do that these days. So, are you kidding me? <laughs> No, for real. I, I do want to um like so before because there will be a lot of joking tonight because this is really my guy. This isn't like a fake friendship that I'm trying to boast about. This is like literally the dude that, uh you know, when I have a bad day, he's the one that gets the call. 
if I'm crazy, he's the one that gets the call. So um, I do want to take a moment before we get into the conversation to introduce you to a lot of people who don't who might not know you in this space. Uh, Curious, he don't know. He don't like to do this for himself. So I'm going to do it. Curious Stevens. He uh, he he works for BNMC. Right. So first, tell us a little bit about what BNMC is. What what is BNMC? Yeah, so BNMC stands for Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus, and uh, it is a 120 to 150. Uh, um, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, acre, acres of uh, real estate in the heart of Buffalo. Um, it's where the uh, Roswell, Collider, UB, uh, Buffalo Medical Group, all of the hospitals uh, um, reside. The you know Hotman Woodwork, the re Woodwork, the uh, research clinical stuff. But I work on the um, nonprofit side. Uh, I work for BNMC Inc., which handles all of the infrastructure, the parking, the entrepreneurship, um, the community engagement, the health and wellness stuff. So we don't do any of the clinical research or any of the hospital stuff, but we handle, all, we manage all of the safety stuff, all of the stuff that goes on the campus. Um, so we, the campus and the surrounding neighborhoods, um, we're just trying to make sure that. Uh, everyone has access to the resources and all of the opportunity that goes on in this uh, this this space. I work in the innovation center, so I'm always uh, looking to help uh, create or push the next uh, new thing um, in you know whatever area that is. Again, whether that's entrepreneurship or uh, parking or safety or infrastructure buildings, and we're part of a global innovation uh, institute, so. Though we're on the campus, uh, we kind of handle more than just the campus. There's the uh, the district or the campus. Well, the campus, the district, which is the areas around the campus, and then there's globally. Uh, again, because we're one of the leaders, uh, a part of this global in, uh, innovation district. So, yeah, that's what BNMC is. Okay, and then in, in your title, your role. Uh, at BNMC is you're the director of inclusion and initiatives, or am I saying that uh, wrong? Yeah, I'm, I'm the director of inclusion and community initiatives. So um, inclusion just has to do with making sure that everyone, ha again, has access, has opportunity, has pathway, stepping stones for success, uh, can thrive and bring their whole self to live, work and play in the uh, respective areas that we're that, you know, we're we can kind of uh, manage and control. Um, and the community initiatives is just, you know, making sure, again, that the, you know, the community uh, is aware of what's going on, that they're a part of what's going on, that they have a voice, that they have ownership, um, and that, you know, they have a real stake in everything that happens in the campus and on the district and then and in the district. Okay, so you you and your team work closely with the city as well. It's not just like a bubble of, you know, like right. you're not just internal. You do things uh, for the city. You do things uh, or not for this, but with the city, uh, with yep. the county and others as well. Yeah. So uh, BNMC, we are we are a major um, anchor district um, in our city. So there's a lot of things that flow through, whether that's, uh, again, uh, wealth or prosperity. Um, there's, it's where the hospitals are. It's, um, where, again, where a lot of the innovation comes from, uh, in the city. So we are, um, on the stage, um, when it comes to 
<laughs> what you name it, we're a part of it when it comes to the, the city of Buffalo. Okay. So, so I'm just wanna, privileged to be a part of that. Well, I wanted to ask you that so that way people kind of have somewhat of a background and they know kind of what your hands are on or, or kind of what you're into. So Yeah, so it's my it's my job to kind of run the the, the the diversity, equity, and inclusion things for the internal team of BNMC, uh, BNMC Inc. Then I am on a government affairs and um, uh, community engaged community engagement councils. I chair those. I'm on, um, you know, Buffalo Niagara Partnership uh, Diversity Leadership Exchange. I'm on the board of a few uh, uh, different um, organizations. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, you know, so I. I'm a city honors grad, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so um, I have a, right. a huge, huge stake in the city. Uh, every, everything that, um, no, you know, not to toot my own horn, but whatever goes on in the city in some way or form or shape or fashion, you know, Buffalo is a, is a city where there's only like two degrees of separation. So I know who's doing it or I'm a part of doing it, or I can find you somebody who's, who's, who's doing whatever it is. So um, in these last few years, I've become very, connected and I'm really appreciate I really appreciate uh all of the people who are doing a, an amazing job and how I get to help and and uh and play a part of you know everything that's going on. Okay. So I asked you all of that at the the beginning so that way like I said everybody would have an understanding of kind of what your role is and what you do so that when we get into this conversation um, they know a that you're speaking from a place of experience. You're speaking from a place of knowledge, and you're you're not just somebody I'm having on the show because you're my guy. So yeah. um, to to start off, I do want to I want to preface the show by talking about um, obviously there's a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit against the NFL right now by Brian Flores. Um, yeah. He was turned down by a job that apparently he felt that the New York Giants had given to somebody else prior to even interviewing him, which is an ugly allegation in itself. Um, then, I mean, a bunch of allegations there. We have what's called the Rooney Rule, which mm-hmm. um, which basically mandates NFL clubs to, to interview two minorities uh, for head coaching and for upper management positions, and then one minority for coordinator positions. But it's almost become counterproductive. So yeah, I'm, I'm it's a story, that by saying that um, like that's the purpose of, of the conversation. Before we get there, I want to ask a very specific conversation to you. And I know this is a question that you tend to answer all the time. So share with me. So because diversity and inclusion is something we hear everywhere, like in any regardless of what industry you're in, you know, I'm in banking, then, uh, you know, people who are in human resources, people who are in whatever you're hearing about diversity and inclusion. And it's like it's drilled into you at training is drilled into you in your handbooks and all this other stuff. Talk to me a little bit, like just explain to me like I'm a kid, like what is diversity, <laughs> equity and inclusion mean and and why is it important in today's Really, not just today's society, but why is it important? Yeah, well, diversity, I'll, I'll break each one of those down. Diversity is just having a, a bunch of different components and bringing them together. So, um, you know, you can have a bunch of different color marbles in a bag, and that would be you have a, a diverse bag of marbles. So bringing a bunch of different people together is diversity. Um, equity is when is not giving everybody the same thing. It's about it's about uh, creating a system or a, a place where people get the right amount of what they need to, to thrive. So a person who is 
further along um, doesn't get the same uh, amount of, I'll, I'll say it like this. Equity is if we're if we're all trying to watch a uh, watch the football game and we're all behind a fence, right? I'm a short guy. You're taller yeah. than me, and <laughs> you're taller than me. And uh, we, you know, I, I have a guy. One of my friends' his name is Frank. The guy is like six, whatever, and he can easily see over the fence, right? You can probably see over the fence fence too. You just don't have the same uh, vantage point that he he has. And I'm probably not going to see over the front fence. So if I want all of us to kind of have the same vantage point, each one of us has to have a different size box. And my box is going to be a little taller than you guys. And so I can I can see at the same vantage point. So that's when the equity part comes. A lot of people think that equity is just giving everybody the same box. But if we got the same box, we're still at the same disadvantage. I'm still at a disadvantage. If I'm going to come up to where you guys are and go from an, equ an equitable playing field, you have to be able to figure out what um, what system or what what uh, things that a person needs to be in the same playing field. So that's that's the equity part. And the inclusion, I kind of, uh, you know, I hear it like this is, um, you know, diversity and equities. You guys get in, you get invited, you know, you get invited to a dance. And, you know, the equity part is. You know, it's a bunch of different ways that people get the invitation. Maybe you have your, you know, um, you're, you're blind and you can't really read the invitation. So there's an audio part to it. So you can still get the invitation. But inclusion is once we get to the dan dance, it's being invited onto the dance floor. It's playing the music that would make me want to feel like I'm a part of the party. It's not a lot. It's not me being on the, you know, on the wall and, you know, just not really feeling like. I'm, I have a seat at the table, uh, so to speak, or I'm really thought of to uh, be an active participant to take ownership and be a part of the whole experience. So that's the difference between diversity, equity, and inclusion. If I, if you understand what I'm saying, I'm, I hope I did a good job at that. Yeah, no, I think you, you explained it perfectly. Um, so I, this isn't one of the prepared questions I asked you, but just based off of what you said there. So what if, because when you were talking about equity, right? So you as an employer, say, say you're my employer and you are focused on equity for everybody working for you. The thing is, what would you say to somebody like me who would feel like you're doing less for me and more for, you know, like you, you mentioned the guy with the boxes. So somebody might need a box that's like, for instance, you, you need a box that's like six feet tall. And I only need one that's one foot tall because you're like really, you know, super short. So, but if, but if you're getting a six foot box and I'm only getting a one foot box, what would you say as an employer that for it to, to make, not make sense, but in a way for, for even me to still feel like it's fair. You know what I'm saying? About, on the other side, some people might feel like, well, wait, yeah. you're giving what this about guy me? So like much. you're focused on the other people, like, you know, you know, not, you know, I'll leave that because <laughs> this is not just me and you talking. Right. But, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this. It's about getting the potential out of each person, out of each, you know, having an environment for each of them to thrive. It's not about giving a person more. It's about allowing them to get to the level where they can thrive. Now, if I give you uh, some some drumsticks and, uh, you know, a snare or a drum set and uh, you ain't got no rhythm and we're on a drum line, you know, we're supposed to be playing drums. If I have 
the 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 chops to play drums you can teach me at a level where you're just giving me the sheet music because the outcome is that we all play play the same song and, and that we all um we all sound good right so mm -hmm. when it comes to the people who don't need as much those are the people that you a lot of times are um there's research that they are less engaged because most people uh most employers focus on the people who are you know uh need more help so in order to get those people more engaged you have to give them more incentive to be able to uh to, you give them more leadership positions you uh give them more challenging things so it's about uh pulling out the potential and and helping them to thrive it's not a, about just giving a person uh more help because they need it you are actually trying to bring out the best of that of each individual and sometimes even with my kids i can't give the same thing to uh my 13 year old daughter that i give to my five year old if i want them to clean the clean the uh the, the living room <laughs> my son he can't push the vacuum he's, he's, small, he's small like me you know what i'm saying so i'm gonna give him a a, a task that's commensurate with his level of skill and i'm going to build him up to where i want him to be but at the but when it comes to my daughter, I'm gonna give her more engaging tasks, and I'm gonna help her to to meet uh, the task and have a higher expectation and talk to her in a in a in a different way, and, and not in a um, a disrespectful way, but in a way where I respect where she is and pulling out the best in her. If that makes if that answers. No. It makes perfect sense. So so now let's let's pivot, not pivot because it's still the same conversation, but now let's shift our focus on what we're talking about, like the NFL with this Rooney rule and Brian Flores. Right. So. When you when you when you have that type of discussion, and you're saying that you're going to give the individual the task that fits them or that that helps pull out the best from them, then what. So one of the biggest complaints is obviously we hear we hear, um, well, we're hiring a guy that we feel is best for the job anyway. Like, it's not a race thing. It's we're hiring a guy who's the best for the job. Yeah. So when you hear that and and you make basically the the, the statement that you just made, and, I, and I'm with you, I get exactly where you're going. Yeah. But in, in the sense of this, you know, how do you respond to something like that? Yeah, it's, it's simple. You think about, let's just keep it in football. If you want the best talent, right, you go scout everywhere right say that let's think about if there was only if you only scouted white players in the in, you know only scouted white players you would have never got a, a barry sanders you would have never got a walter Payton. you never got a stefan like you wouldn't get a randy moss because you're only looking in a specific specific demographic with a specific type specific uh, uh pool of people a pool of candidates if you don't look in every place, you're gonna miss key talent, you're gonna miss key opportunity, and you'll be thinking that you're getting the best talent, but your diversity, your pool is so small that you're gonna miss huge opportunities that if you would have just widened the, the, uh, the candidate pool that you would have gotten. So a lot of times um, it's leaders say, uh, use the excuse of I'm just I'm looking for the best and the brightest and they only look in a certain space. They only look at the Ivy League. They only look at whatever it is. 
you know, in this case, they're, they're only looking at white coaches and you have the potential to get the next, uh, for, for lack of a better term, the next Bill Belichick, <laughs> which he's a part of the thing. The next, you, get the, you can get the next Bill Belichick, but you'll completely miss it if you're not looking at the full uh, spectrum of candidates. And that's one thing you shoot yourself in the foot when you only look and you, when, you, when you categorize people in a certain way. It just it just does a disservice to everyone. It, it slows down innovation. It slows down progress. It slows down uh, everything. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about with this, because we're talking about equity and, and when you say equity, it's not just like so Brian Flores and I know he's a black man looking to be hired. So it, it feels like this is a black and white thing. But I feel like a lot of the conversations that we are not having in this situation are conversations that we need to have. And um, to help me with this conversation, I have two people uh, who I want to join the conversation right now um, because I feel like I feel like we're missing the mark even still with this conversation by not talking about including women. Um, so I have uh, I'm gonna introduce both of them one by one. But um, first joining me is Miss I call her Miss Boss Lady all the time because she <laughs> truly is um, somebody for SB Nation. She is one of the associate directors to um, SB Nation. So Miss Kelly is joining me tonight. How's it going? Everything is going well. Thank you so much for having me tonight. Thank you for joining me. I, and, and the reason why I wanted to have you is because, well, A, I, I respect I respect who you are and your takes. But the thing is, um, being a woman in sports, a lot of times, um, not only are, are women overlooked, but their opinions are kind of just like, yeah, but she can't. Like last week or the week before we saw with Mina, like, you know, oh, she doesn't even, she's never played football. So blah, blah, blah. So the, your takes are kind of just brushed off. So I wanted to include you in this conversation so you can kind of talk about why it's important to include women. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very glad to be here to talk about that. Um, it is really challenging in a male-dominated field like sports media. Um, and, you know, women of color have it even, they have an even more difficult time than I do. Um, you know, you get a lot of get back in the kitchen. You get a lot of, you never played the game. And I'm like, I played fourth grade flag football. Like, <laughs> I played <laughs> something. Um, but, you know, you yeah, and it's silly. It is. It's absolutely silly. And to, to kind of now round out what you just said, because even um, you know, like you mentioned, women of color actually have a completely different experience. So I want to bring in somebody who I respect tremendously, Miss Renee Washington, who, um, you know what, your 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 rap sheet is so long. I really don't <laughs> know how to introduce you. Um, how would you like me to introduce you here? Because you really your resume is crazy. Well, A, I am the woman of color. Uh, so it's funny. I was like, here I am. I'm coming. Um, no, I am <laughs> ESPN and Fox Sports reporter. I just actually got inducted into the Hall of Fame for my college for soccer, former three-time All-American. Thank you. Thank you. Um, author, motivational speaker, and wearing a lot of different hats. So I don't, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Just a whole bunch of that. Like she, what I'm telling you when I was, cause I was, you know, you prepare, so you write stuff down and I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna bring Renee in. So thank you for doing that. Cause it's insane. Uh, but let's, let's get right back to the conversation. So Kyrie and I were, were just talking about how, um, you know, inclusion and equity matters in, in these type of situations. But I, I also want to get the perspective um, from both of you, like, you know, being women in sports in a male dominated industry still to this day, um, just just 
A, just kind of give us your experience, but then also let's just talk a little bit about um, your your take on what's happening with Brian Flores and this Rooney rule and this lawsuit. And then I actually want to shift over to Washington football. Well, they're now they're the commanders. So uh, let's start with Renee uh, with, with Brian Flores, and then we'll, we'll get um, the boss lady's take as well. Yeah, I was listening backstage um, before you brought me onto the show to your discussion, and it, it, it's a situation that's not an easy fix. Because the annoying part, and I've gotten this as a woman of color, um, because I, I fit the token. So when a company is looking to hire, they have to have X amount of um, diverse hires and at least have people that they bring in for the interviewing process. And so on the other side of it, nobody wants to be hired just because of what they look like. you know. But nobody wants to be hired just to meet a quota. You want to be hired because you belong. And so on both sides of it, this is a sticky situation because over half of the NFL specifically, which is what we're talking about, are black athletes. And yet you look at the amount of head coaches across the league and how many do we have? So the representation does matter because if you were going to have, I, I use the example on the reverse side, if you have a women's league of all female athletes and all male coaches, does that make sense? It's the same thing here. The representation, the diversity is not just racial, but that's the most important one that we've been talking about because it's the most obvious one. But it does it does go across the board. So I think it is a very uh, lazy um, excuse, in my opinion, when, when coaches and GMs and front offices are saying, we hired the best candidate. So to me, that sounds almost disrespectful because you're saying no black coaches are a good candidate. None. Um, so I think it's just a matter of, unfortunately, as we all know, and having worked in sports, it's a lot of who, you know, and I don't know the same people that somebody else may know, or I may know more than somebody else may know. So if you're not in these spaces with people advocating for you, with people putting your name into the hat, so to speak, with people speaking up for you, you're not even going to get those opportunities. And then to be brought in after the fact, the Brian Flores thing is a mess to be brought in after the fact when they had already made a decision, it's to, it's to meet a quota. So the, the system as a whole is very flawed, but there's no easy way to fix it. But at least us having these conversations, and I commend Brian Flores for speaking up, allows us to start really bringing to light just the amount of disservices that have been done across the board. Yeah, Ms. Ms. Kelly, you got anything rare? Did we lose her? I think we lost Ms. Boss Lady. So when, until we get her back, um, one, of the, one of the things that, oh, here she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You you were oh, muted there. I didn't hear you. Okay, no, I couldn't hear anything that you guys were saying. I think that my internet went out for a second. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. So we were. I just really wanted your your feedback on that as well. So the Brian Flores situation, and then and even now we could take it a step further because now you see that he he was a, a final candidate for the Houston Texans job, and now they mm -hmm. took it a step and they 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 hired somebody who was also a coach who was black. Um, mm -hmm. But it just feels a little fishy. Like you know, it's one of those things where it's like he wasn't even considered, and then I, in the last hour, it's like okay, we're gonna hire somebody and he's black um just yeah. in general the whole conversation and and then plus adding now where we are with this what are your thoughts on the brian flores situation in the class action lawsuit 
Well, I mean, going back to his firing, he had two consecutive winning seasons. You do not see NFL coaches getting fired after two consecutive winning seasons and narrowly missing the postseason. Um, I forget how many games they won in a row this past season, but I think that it was like eight. Um, it was, you know, really a remarkable turnaround from the beginning of the season. And so it was very clear that, um, you know, that all was fishy. I think that it was incredibly brave of him to file the suit and to pursue justice here. And I think that when you're looking at the NFL's ownership, you know, it's primarily older white men. Um, I don't really see another path toward change. You know, the Rooney rule was well-intentioned, but teams treat it like a box to check instead of, a, you know, a way to actually create equity in the coaching ranks and in front offices. And so, you know, something has to change. I think that Flores was really brave to, you know, kind of put himself and his career on the line for this. But he said, you know, that it was bigger than coaching. It was bigger than football for him. And it is. He's not just doing this for himself. He's doing this for everybody who's going to come behind him. So I really respect him for doing that. And I hope that it does force some change. The thing that's really frustrating, um, A, first as a black man, but then also just as somebody who watches, um, it's not, again, like I said, I, I didn't want this to just be a conversation about men and about black men. The thing is, there are women in sports. There are coaches. There are um, people who um, have positions now with the team where they're very valuable members of the, the coaching staff, very valuable members of whatever part of the, whatever the organizational structure is um, they're, they're super important. Um, what, what do you think is the key or obviously we're talking about this, but what is the key for even women to be more involved in, and to get a lot of these opportunities that even black men right now seem to be fighting for? You know, I think that um, we are seeing really incredible progress. You know, there are women refereeing in the National Football League. Um, you know, women, like you said, at all levels of organizations, even a female owner, um, too, actually, I think. Anyway, so I think that that representation does matter. And I think that as more and more women are able to, you know, work their way into these positions and, you know, impress people with the quality of their work. I think that more opportunities will open up, but it's like everything else. It's going to be a slow process. Yeah. Renee, where'd you go with that? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And it's in all aspects of sports that we need more diversity. And I know we talk a lot about black and white um, and agreed on the gender side that there's, there needs to be more, you know, I know a number of coaches on the professional level, on the NFL uh, Coach Lewis, Jennifer Lewis with the Washington football or Washington commanders, excuse me. Um, I know Coach Lowe, who works down in Tampa Bay. I know coaches in the NBA, in the in the college scene that are really pushing the needle. But unfortunately, there still is a double standard. And it's the same issue that we saw with Brian Flores and, and the fact that he was let go when there are a number of coaches that have been able to hold on to their jobs for much longer doing much worse. So there is absolutely a double standard, and that's the first issue. But the question is, how does that change? When you look at the decision makers and they all look the same and they're all older white men, how do these decisions change? And I even look at it from the stance as a reporter, having worked in professional sports in a variety of different leagues, you see a lot of different types of uh, double standards, whether it's the way that people even talk to you, the way that they um, assume things about you and assume what you know and what you don't know. So it's not 
unfortunately, just the coaching issue, it's across the board, women in the front office, women, diversity in, in any sort of power position is what needs to change. And yeah. so we need to stop with the mantra of being so quick to judge somebody that is a minority, whether that's racial, gender, social, uh, social demographic, anything else, and just look at the bigger picture. What they're doing on paper, what they're doing as a person in their career is is what we need to be focusing on, not what they look like or what box they check. So unfortunately, this is a much larger conversation that is going to take many more years to actually happen and for things to come into fruition. But I like that we're seeing more and more, especially women with coaching and officiating and getting into these power positions, really taking that leadership to be the trailblazer to make it happen. Yeah. And, and as far as women in ownership, shout out to Kim Pagula as a Bills fan, like she makes me proud. So I got to I want to I do want to shout her out on that. But it looks like here it looks like you had something to say a couple of times. Did you want to uh, throw something out there? Yeah, I mean, great points that, that amazing. Uh, and it's the truth. One of the things that I'm seeing all the time is a, a, working in diversity and inclusion. There's, there are some key ways to help push that conversation forward, move the needle a little further, further, faster. And it all comes down to the system and the way that we're doing things. Now, there's been a business case for diversity since the like 60s, but it, it, it doesn't really matter if there's not a, a moral case that is measured up with that. So the, it has to be both the business and the moral case. And there has to be real transparency in, in how the system works. You have to look at the system and see, you know, um, how it started. Who started it? Um, who it's who who is being benefited? You know who's benefited from it, <laughs> and what are the outcomes? And if when you look at the structure of how, you know, the Rooney Rule and all of that stuff, it's a straw man. It's just to say that we we put this thing here just to say that we did something. If there is no real representation on or and, and transparency on how people are being picked for the, these coaching positions or whatever it is, if there's no uh, standardized way of 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 looking at uh, the act, you know, the attributes or whatever it is to to get that job, if there's no real representation on the people who are going to be coached by those people, um, so it has to be a, a multi-layered uh, way approach of. Uh, changing the system of how that's how, how that's being done, and uh, it really comes down to giving up, giving uh, real power and real ownership to people who are who haven't been in power and have ownership, and and, and that is a really hard thing to do when people think it is it's a, a zero sum game, because a lot of times you think it's a zero sum game. If I give up this, then I lose, and you're taking something from me. But what actually happens is when you give up. Uh, being the expert at everything and you allow somebody to teach you, you learn and everybody, you know, benefits. You have, you have bigger profits. You have better innovation. You know, you have a better perspective. People are actually uh, doing life together and making cultural collisions where instead of just working together and, and you know, because the biggest thing is everything is so siloed and it's going to take people coming together these cultural collisions and and doing life together to see that you're you have just as much value, worth, experience, knowledge, all of those things, and I can learn something from you. So it'll benefit me to sit down and listen to you. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And and it's it's frustrating because it's not just in sports, right? Like this is everywhere. Yeah. This is in this is in politics. This is exactly. in 
um, you know, yeah, <laughs> wherever you're, oh, oh boy, anywhere, no. <laughs> anywhere that you look, it's where it is. And uh, one of the things, which is the reason, and I know we kind of just used up the 15 minutes that I asked you ladies for, but I want to get into the discussion that I actually like really had you here for um, in Washington. The, the commanders are, are under scrutiny at the moment for a toxic workplace environment. So before we even get to equity in positions and before we even get to diversity inclusion in, in, you know, whatever the positions or whatever the job titles that you want are, how about just equity in treatment? And um, I think Renee is, is uniquely qualified to speak on, on somewhat of this because she's reported on that team. So I kind of want to get, Renee's perspective, but then again, Mrs. Kelly, I want you to uh, jump in here as well. Uh, but Renee, let's let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Washington. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I this is a really harsh comparison, but I feel like it's the one that will be the most um, straightforward. When when segregation happened, and you started having the ability for at the time colored people, black people, and white people to now mix. Yes, that changed things, but that didn't actually change things. And so with all these different rules and all the focus around DE&I and the Rooney rule and all these different things that have been done to change things, it doesn't matter if the actual environment in which people are working does not have real change. And that's exactly what everyone's touching on of the culture, the way that you're interacting with each other, the way that you're treating someone, the way that you're respecting someone. And so in um, having worked with the Washington football team at the time is now the Washington Commanders, of course. Um, you know, and just even having different conversations with women that have worked within the franchise over the years, some that are very heavily involved in the lawsuit um, that's been going on, it's toxic. It's toxic. And it's unfortunately an example of a much larger issue. And as we said, this is America. So the issues that are happening down in D.C., I am not surprised at because I've seen them myself firsthand. I've seen them myself in my own experiences and other women's experiences it's just that these are ones that have finally been brought to light. How many other stories like this are being swept under the rug? The emails, the messages, sneaking videos during the cheerle of the cheerleaders. How many other issues have been swept under the rug over the decades where women have been mistreated? And it's unfortunate. It's very toxic. And the saddest part of it all is with all that's been going on around the name change and um, you know all, all these other PR things mm -hmm. that have been happening, it takes away from the real issues here. You can change the name of the team, but it makes no difference if nothing else is going to change in the actual culture of what's happening on and off the field. So it's very um, frustrating. But uh, the thing is, I always like to stress, it's only surprising to the people that don't know that it's happening. It's only surprising to people that are not in those marginalized groups. Again, as a, as a Black woman, I can speak on my own experiences. I'm never surprised by this. I'm like, oh, you're, you become numb to it. You're used to it. You're used to walking into these rooms and having to watch yourself and watch your back and be a very aware. From a young age, we're taught that as women, as girls, we're taught that. And so as the marginalized and the one that's on the outside, or I'm not at all surprised, it's the ones that are on the other side of it that are now like, oh, wow, I cannot believe this has been happening. Well, this is America. <laughs> so for the Washington commanders, um, I'm hoping this offseason brings some real change. It seems like the fans especially are very tired of this continuous cycle of issues on and off the field. 
But as we're talking about with the bigger issue, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, this is a small microcosm of such a larger problem at hand around professional sports, especially the treatment of women in these spaces. Ms. Kelly? Please call me Gina. Um, I completely agree with everything. It makes me feel old you're, to be called You're Mrs. technically Kelly. my boss at SB Nation, so it's just a respect thing. It's, it's, Everybody like else at work calls me Gina. Please call me Gina. Okay. Um, I completely agree with everything that Renee said. And, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me is that the Washington football team has to, or I'm sorry, the commanders, it's going to take us all a long time to get used to this. Um, they have to give consent for any details to come out about what actually happened. Um, and I think that that lack of transparency is a big part of the problem with all of this. I think that the lack of transparency around the hiring processes is a big problem. I think the lack of transparency when they do these investigations into misconduct and toxic culture, um, there's no transparency. So how could there be any pressure to actually make any meaningful change? And so I think that that's the first thing that really has to change for us to see any other real change. It's, it's uh, the question that I that I typically have with this stuff, and I'll swing it to Kyrie and then back around to the ladies. It, like, you know, I know we just we just talked about how there has to be layers of things that has to change and then layers put in place to do it properly. But but I mean, just like at the simplest of terms, um, like how can we how can we take what's going on and, and literally just like this is going to sound way too easy the way I'm asking it, but it's just frustrating that it's 2022 and we're still having these discussions. So it's like, what, what is it going to take for us to, to just see the changes, man? Like, you know, and this is why I wanted to have you on because your job is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and I know you have these meetings, you have these talks day by day. So from, from the, from the outside of sports world, even though sports is still business, even all this stuff is still the same thing what what are some solutions that you're that you're giving on a daily basis or on a weekly basis to different companies who want to know how can we fix our company to do right and be right and be on the right path yeah my question is are do you do you mean it are, are you saying that because it's the right thing or do you actually mean that because if you don't mean that nothing that i say to you is going to matter um so it, it's about uh finding an entry point to a person, to the people who are in in in, uh, in power and helping them to understand uh, something that's close to their heart. So when it comes to women, what if this was your daughter? You know, when it comes to people of color, you know, do you have people of color in your circle? Like I ask this all the time when I'm, when I'm with white leaders and they're talking about racial issues or whatever, you know, Whatever issue, I say, do you have people in your life that is affected directly by this thing? Because if you don't have people that you're doing life with that are affected by the things that are, uh, you know, pervasive, you know, the things that are terrible, then it's not going to, there'll just be a character, it'll just be a character and it'll be something to throw money at. It'll be something to, you know, to check a box. But when a person when you have a black friend and you're a, a white leader, you know that when uh, you know something happens to uh, uh, Mike Brown or what if you know any of those things, that could have been your son. That's my friend. That could have been you know my quote you know my little nephew or whatever. When it when it when it 
becomes something that is a heart thing, then it makes, then it becomes real. And then you'll want to create psychological safety. Because like, you know, uh, Renee was saying, if the culture doesn't have psychological safety, I'll talk, let me digress real quick, because this was really, really important. I We were talking today, I was with a bunch of uh, diversity leaders, and we were talking about Black history. And they said, well, people are doing a lot of these Black history things, but the psychological safety of their employees isn't being changed. So you put up this thing about Harriet Tubman or about, you know, Martin Luther King, and then you're doing microaggressions to your to your uh, your black employees. It has to be something where you're looking at the psychological safety and not just these symbolic gestures. It has to be, and of course, symbolic gestures are okay because you got to start somewhere. It's like the awkward first date. You got to get in there at some place. But it has to be a continued conversation where you're getting to know these people who, you know, you know, whoever this these people are, whether this is these these women or it's these people of color or it's LGBTQ, because there's a lot of the a lot of times they are the other people until you make them your people. And if they don't become your people, it's never going to matter to you. So, again, it goes back to that cultural collisions and doing life with people. And you have to just like there was in, uh, intentional systems that were set up to keep people apart, there has to be intentional systems, institutions that are in place to bring people together. It has to be an intentional thing. So I don't wanna, I can go all day about that and I'll just back up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's good. Uh, Gina, I'm, I'm calling you Gina now. Gina, good. what is your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, I completely agree. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, my allergies are so bad today. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. You know, I think that one of the challenges, though, is that a lot of people in those leadership positions are white, and they do have a hard time relating to people who haven't had the same, you know, experience, cultural experience or background or upbringing as them. And so, um, I think that that's, you know, that's why I'm always kind of challenging white people to just be quiet for a little while and listen, um, listen to other people's experiences, understand that, <laughs> you know, other people's experiences are very different from yours and try to learn to have some empathy for that. And, you know, I think that that's also necessary. But there, there, but, but there has to be empathy both ways though, yeah. you know, cause a lot of times, you know, uh, there is a lot of mistrust and it is warranted from, from black people uh, because there has been so much that has happened to us to the point where we, we just automatically not, that's, that's how they are. That's how they are. And there's never, again, there's, there's so much things that keep us from actually having that those because, and I'll say this and I'll back off people's mind thinks where their feet stand. Right. So if you've never walked in those situations and if you've never rubbed up against that, your mind and your perspective is only going to be a certain way. So you've got to, you've got to step in to those uncomfortable places, uh, white and black. It has to come from both ways. Uh, there, you know, white people got to do a little bit more. <laughs> but, but, no, but you know what? You know what? You're right, though. I was just having this conversation, and then I'll get Renee's perspective on this. I was, I was just having this conversation with another content creator who asked me to be on his show to talk about uh, the Brian Flores 
lawsuit and uh he he's white and he actually did like this monologue the show prior to asking me to come on where he took a stand and he's like dude this is ridiculous at, at some point like this shouldn't be a thing blah 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 right and i don't mean that in a negative i mean like he just went on there were black people in his comments like oh so what you have the savior complex now like you're trying to be like the white jesus here or whatever at, at some point we can't like we can't keep saying hey if you're an ally you know uh use your platforms to speak up with us when you see wrong speak up about it and, and correct your friends and family members when they're and then when people do it then we don't want to accept it like at some point something got to give you know what i mean like and i know that's probably not the point you were just making but no, it reminded me okay i'm just saying because it reminded me of that and it was just like at some point if we're going to be together we got to be together you know what i mean it, it can't it can't be like okay we're together until uh i feel like we shouldn't be together and then we shouldn't be together for that and we should no at some point if we're if we're going to get past it and we're going to be inclusive and we're going to be diverse and and we're going to be equal at some point it really needs to be that renee i'm sorry for for uh jumping on your toes there you are perfectly fine um you know i think the, there are a number of ways that actual change can happen and um the one thing that you were talking about kiria that reminded me of um Black, the Black Lives Matter movement when we had Blackout Tuesday and everybody was posting the black square and then businesses were releasing a statement. And then what? What actually happened after that? Or when people even take a knee and, and the whole world is up in arms because of it, what actually is happening from that? So yes, I think the symbolic gestures are great to show I stand in support and I'm, I'm backing this movement and backing this change. But in order for real change to actually happen, People have to be held accountable. Tough conversations have to happen. And I like the point of looking at your immediate circle. It starts there. You know, we, we all know that saying of the first, the five people that you interact with most are the ones that are most influential in your life. Who are those people that are influencing you? Is there diversity in your circle? I know I try to have that diversity from all different aspects to ensure that I'm not getting the same voices over and over again. So when you look at the people that are continuously falling on the wrong side of equality and diversity and, and inclusion, a lot of that comes from the fact that their circle looks a lot like them and they're not getting any outside perspective. So I think that in order for that change to happen, yes, we need to hire more diversity, but how do you hire more diversity when there's lack of diversity in the hiring committee? You know, how do you actually bring in more um, diverse candidates if the people making the decisions in themselves are not at all diverse? So in these different discussions that are being ha held across businesses and teams. And there's all, I know I've been a part of a lot of them in my own work. What actually is happening outside of that? Are we just doing it to say, hey, we had a DE&I event and we checked the box? Or are you actually holding people accountable, calling each other out and being okay with um, now even taking that next step of consequences? The Washington Commanders are a sadly great example of that. Dan Snyder has had a lot of issues what is actually being done? If you're going to sit up on one side and say you support diversity, you support the women in the workplace, you don't want a toxic environment, what is actually being done about one of the main people that's been in the continuously involved in all the toxic stories that are coming out from Gruden's emails to the calendar shoot for the cheerleaders to everything else? So it's not enough to talk about it. And I stress this all the time in all aspects of life. It's not enough to talk about it and say, look at us. This is all the great things that we're doing. We don't want to see the fluff. We want to see the change. So don't even tell us what you're doing. Don't, don't. The NFL had in the end zone and on helmets and all this other 
all over the place, mm-hmm. these messages of diversity. 2022 rolls around, where's Brian Flores? So you want to sit up and say, look at us. We've got all cross-classed our cross-helmets and in the end zone and everywhere else, all this messaging of diversity. But when it actually came time to be about it and actually follow through with that diversity, they fell very short. So it's exhausting at this point for me to just continuously see all these flat, um, not all, like unauthentic gestures of we're trying. Don't just try, do. Enough already. I agree. It's 2022. We're still having these conversations. And it's, it's time for some real change to happen. So accountability, authenticity, changing your circle, and then starting to welcome. If you are especially... Um, for anyone, I will say, but especially if you are that white older man, welcome in that conversation. Sit down and have a conversation with your black colleague. Sit down and, and learn and learn a little bit about who they are as a person, outside of just who they are as a professional or as their whatever they look like. So it's it does need to happen on both sides. But unfortunately, as the victims, as the ones that have been dealing with all the years and years and years of the oppression, it's hard to say just walk into a room and with a smile on your face and act like nothing happened. It does have to have more work on the other end. So I think it's time for a lot of these franchises, front offices to start calling out the billionaires that are continuing to perpetuate this cycle and causing us to continue to have these conversations to actually make change. Yeah, but Renee, I've talked to a lot of white leaders and I'm, I'm a lot of them are very afraid of cancel culture, of be, being of is you know having these real candid conversations because they don't want to be labeled an ism or an ist or you know or, or, or these things if they say the wrong thing in a conversation and that's why it goes back again to like you were saying creating that relationship that is not just about the workplace it's not just about what you're doing on and off you know on the field it's mm-hmm. it's 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 trust building and that takes that takes some real time. That takes some real work and some real effort because we do come in thinking that, man, you might be an is. You might have some isms there. Yeah. You know, studies show that it could be you. And if we, we have to break down those unconscious bias biases that we have, and that only happens through repeated actions of safe spaces and safe conversations. So that takes that takes some work, but it's the more you do it, the quicker it happens. Yeah, yeah. no, for I sure. Agree. And I actually, I just want to jump in really quickly. I no, actually go got into it. a conversation on my Twitter about cancel culture because people were saying, well, cancel culture is, you know, fussing about it, complaining about it. The difference is now we are actually holding people accountable. So yep. if we notice that a business or a person or whoever is, is saying something there that is inappropriate, we're not standing for it anymore. So I agree. I think that cancel culture does allow for people to have a little bit more of a guard up of knowing I can't just say whatever I want to say because it will be taken the wrong way and I may be held accountable for it or judged for it. So I think the relationships is where it all begins. Yeah. There's a difference between a mistake and a pattern. And Mm -hmm. I think that cancel culture needs to pay attention to whether this person is a pattern of, of behavior with them or they said something because we all make mistakes. We all say things, you know, that, that you're like, oh man, I, I shouldn't have said that. If you get angry or however, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. That wasn't my intention. That's not the same thing as I am I have a habitual pattern of me being an ass. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we we have to pay attention. We have to really pay attention to to that point. 
Now, now, Gina, I I work for SB Nation, and I don't have any issues. Like, I love my <laughs> team with Buffalo Rumblings. I love everybody that I've worked with since joining SB Nation. So we don't have these issues. But but one of the things that I do notice is that, in, in and I'm sure Renee can attest to this as well, in our industry, in what we do, um, it's, it's equally, I think it's frustrating on, on the level that we're talking about, but then it's equally frustrating when your work is, is looked at as like, how do I want to say it? Your, your work is just kind of, they don't take you serious at all with certain things because of the industry. So um, the way I want to pivot this, I want to end this conversation off with this question here. And it's actually a little bit, it started off weird, but it's, it's, it's about Jay-Z, right? So mm-hmm. Jay-Z entered into the, yeah, throw up the dime. I'm a, everybody who knows me knows I'm a Jay-Z fan, huge Jay-Z fan. Like you'll see me tweet Jay-Z lyrics all day. I tweet music, but he got this job with the NFL last year or maybe two years ago now. And with this job, one of the things that he's so supposedly responsible for is obviously the, the halftime shows and all of the in- entertainment that we get. But social injustice was was literally at the top of this agreement. And in your work and in and, and what you've seen in our industry and, and what you've seen in, in collaboration with the NFL, holding accountable also means holding the, the people accountable who are supposed to step in and hold others accountable. Um, so far, what are you what are your thoughts on this? And then, like I said, I want to swing this around to everybody and in the conversation here. But uh, what are your thoughts on really what can we expect? What do you think we can expect coming from this social injustice agreement with Jay-Z and, and the NFL? Are, is this supposed to help or was that really just kind of to calm the nerves after the Kaepernick situation or, you know? I think that it's a combination of the two. Um, I think that, yeah, there's definitely a PR element involved. Um but I also think that a lot of what the league has done to acknowledge, um, you know, social injustices has been performative. It's, you know, the painted end zones and it's the stickers on the helmets. And, you know, all of that stuff is great. I'm, I'm glad that they're letting players show support for those causes. Um, but also it doesn't do anything. Um, it's it's just performative. And so that's my biggest concern with all of it. I think that they have a lot of money to throw at things that could actually really help. And a lot of individual players around the league are already doing a lot of great work towards social justice. And, you know, I'm hoping that the league will continue to support them and those efforts. But yeah, so much of what they've, they've done so far has been performative. And so that's what, that's what I'm hoping will change. Renee, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I think for any situation, um, it is very important for the the Jay-Zs, and I like how you casually worked him into this, people like Jay-Z that are given that first step to be able to pull you know others along to. with them. You know, it's so, it's so important if you do have a position of power and you're representing a group of minorities to really use your platform and your, your power that you've been able to establish to help others. So I think that one of the biggest things that actually can work in the benefit of all this change is the fact that it is a business and we know money talks. So if you start bringing in power players and and even actually the actual players, getting them involved, like they've been doing such a great job in their respective communities of doing, that's how you make change happen too. Because we all know at the end of the day, we no matter what race people may see, everybody sees green. So if you can start getting more people involved that have connections, power, the Jay-Zs, the NFL players, different people like that, that are actively 
using their platform to pull others, others along, speak up and be able to help, th that is also a way that it can it can make some real change too. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Jay-Z's move, that move, bringing him into the NFL, I'm, I was a little skeptical about it myself, I'm not going to lie, but I definitely don't think anything's going to happen overnight. You know, the music, the halftime show is incredible this year. Um, so oh, the music so is yeah. great. <laughs> But we'll see what else happens around that long term um, to help across the league. So for me, I wasn't skeptical, but obviously, I'm a, like I said, I'm a Jay-Z fan. Like it, it's going to be like 99% of the time, if there's a conversation about Jay-Z, I'm going to be on his side at first. So I, I'm just going to be honest about it. So um, I wasn't skeptical of, of it, but right now I'm a little more skeptical than I've ever been because so coming from where he comes from and, um, I'm not from Brooklyn, but I, I promise you the east side of Buffalo is a whole lot like it. Like it's it's not the, it's not the best of environments. It's not. The, so there's a lot of things that when I listen to his music, I can relate to. And there's a lot of things that make me feel like, hey, this guy knows what it's like to, to be me or to come from the area I come from. And then to see him climb certain ladders and to see him um, sit in certain rooms at certain tables, it gives you motivation that, hey, I can do this in whatever industry or whatever realm I put my mind and, and my efforts behind. Then to see, you know, you see him make constant change on several levels in so many different spaces. And then for something like this, it seems to be gradually, like not even gradually, because all I've seen, to your point, has been stickers on helmets and end zone stuff. And and yeah, we got a fire. This is probably going to be the best um, as far as like hip hop or for, as far as urban music. This is like the best halftime show that we've had since the Beyonce and, and Bruno Mars. But even then, it was, it's not this. You know what I mean? Like this is a different type of halftime show for for a specific crowd of people. I'm a little skeptical, Renee. I am. I, I'm going to be honest. And it's hurt, it hurts me to say this publicly because Hove is my guy. I'm skeptical because it, it, it just seems like it was all the publicity stunt that Gina was talking about. It's like, look, I get it. We have to we have to put the sharks away after Kaepernick ticked everybody off. But at the same time, I actually need some stuff to happen. I need to see more than uh, two black coaches. I need to see it. Well, I guess three, three now, technically, um, you know, we have three black coaches or four minority. If you're going to include Sayla, um, it, look, I need to see more than that. And and I'm not saying Jay-Z obviously would have the power to tell people who to hire, but you would think that the conversations being had from that level should have some type of effect. Like, look, this is the goal. We should have some type of stand, like, like Kiri mentioned earlier. I don't know if it's like a standardized way to, to see results. I don't know if if having accountability in the interview process is the thing. I don't know if saying like, okay, well, if you interviewed five people, we want to see notes on all five. Like, why did this guy not fit what your philosophy is? Why did this guy fit? Why did this person not? Um, did, I don't know what the answer is. But again, for me, seeing Jay-Z being the guy that I've always seen him as, I, I, it, it, I have questions. Kiri, it looks like you want to jump in there. Yeah, when, when you're talking about system change, you have to think about psychology. And even with marketing, it takes people tens to sometimes hundreds of times for it to get embedded into your brain, right? And to the point where when you think about something to eat, automatically you think about McDonald's or whatever it is. That's There's that marketing psychology. And also when it comes to the, psycho the psychology of change is that you don't, there's a continuum of that people are always in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And a lot of times we want people to jump and we want systems to jump from the beginning 
to progress where it's like really seen and it's like a huge thing. But there are steps in that process. And if you have a person who is at the unaware phase, oblivious to racism, they can't see racism, they don't see color and all of those things. And then you have a person who understands, you know, the, you know, it kind of understands what's going on. And then there's a, another level of a person who is affected by it. And then there's another person who becomes an activist. And the person who is oblivious doesn't jump to activists and jump to change automatically. There ha you have to take people through steps of, of awareness and steps of action. And for a uh, system like the NFL, there has to be those accountability things there has to be that structure, but you also have to work on the psychology of getting people to move the needle on, of awareness, experience, and all of those things. So uh, I know it, it's frustrating, and you sound like a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion leaders that I, I'm talking to every day. They're like, damn it, they just don't get it. Why can't they just you know, put the time, talent, and treasure towards this and make it happen? But it doesn't, it doesn't always translate to that to the people who are on the ground level or the people who are up at the top. Usually the people in the middle really get it. The people who are being affected or the people who, who understand this, they really, really get it. Um, and it, they have to be a bridge to those other stuff. They have to be a bridge. So Jay-Z is going to have to be a bridge. There's going to have to be some real accountability. There's going to have to be some, like, you see how all of these things that I'm, I'm naming, there's going to have to be some real, uh, uh, um, people doing life together. There's going to have to be <laughs> all of these things have to happen simultaneously. And some people are going to get in and shoot up like rockets. And then some people are going to have to baby step. But patience is walking at the pace of another. And if you're going to be able to get people to the finish line, sometimes you got to be patient. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm all for change and I'm doing this daily. Trust me, I'm not giving excuses because it frustrates the SHI boo-boo out of me. But <laughs> I have to, these are one of the things as when you're doing this work, you, in order to not get burned out and to not feel like uh, you should just throw in the towel because nothing is working, you have to take the small wins, celebrate those. And how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. So create those well, things. I mean, for starters, why are we eating elephants? Like, that's the problem. That is, that is absolutely <laughs> See, it's Black I History. I'm trying to give an African proverb. You knew no, I was going. I, I couldn't. How do you build healthy habits? I thought I was like with you, with you, and then you said the elephant. I was like, oh. But I was yeah, I you know what I'm talking. See, y'all gotta be This is what I'm saying. I couldn't let that pass. I, I almost got canceled for talking about eating an elephant. <laughs> Well, um, it, look, it really did have me thinking. I do want to jump in. Um, in order for any meaningful change to happen, it's like an addict. It's like anything else that has to change yep. in life. Mm -hmm. Someone that's mm -hmm. on a diet, someone that's trying to, um, you know, add more self care into their routine. In order for real change to happen and meet in a meaningful way, it can't happen overnight. In that sense, right. because it's not authentic. It's it's too. If it's so easy to change, it's so easy to also change back. And yep, so we yep. will get to the point that the NFL, the NBA, the WNBA, all the professional leagues, all America. Sports, everywhere, America is at a point of consistently doing the right things. Not not fair weather, not every once in a while. So that elephant, I guess, it's gotta be, it's gotta be slow, 
but you cannot expect for it all to just be inhaled at once because yeah it got to become it has to become a lens yeah. it's got to become a lens it's got to be the way you see the world it, your lens has to be corrected like you've certain you you have a perspective you've been seeing the world in a certain way and you're you got to get a different lens and sometimes it takes you like a minute to adjust like whoa that's why sometimes when people who aren't the marginalized fit, like are so surprised by what's going on is because oh my god how how could this have happened david it's been happening forever like your lens you just weren't focused you didn't have the right lens to see this so it's it's changing the perspective of a whole country and that that's very very and hundreds difficult. of years of the wrong mm -hmm. perspective yeah we, we talk about it not happening overnight it's 2022 how many years of years. things being done incorrectly across institutions businesses leagues all around the world so yes it's not going to take an overnight fix for centuries and centuries of problems I feel like this is a conversation that we could probably have once a week and never run out of topics to talk about. Um, so I, I want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. We're going to cut it off here. We went a little bit over time. Uh, Gina, if you want to let everybody know where they can find your content or what you got going on over at Falcoholics or, or just SB Nation as a whole. Perfect. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. Um, and look for all of our Super Bowl content this week on SB Nation. We've got some great stuff coming from both Cincy Jungle for the Bengals and Turf Show Times for the Rams and obviously Buffalo Rumblings, one of my favorite sites in our network. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I really enjoyed chatting with all of you. We got to have you on again where we can have just, um, you know what? I don't know what I, I slacked this year. We played the Falcons and we beat you and I didn't even get you on the show to talk mess. I think that I was moving at the time. So yeah, that was probably okay. why. We'll make it happen again. We'll make it happen. But thank you so much, Gina, for joining me. We'll get you back and uh, everybody go follow Gina, go check out the Falcoholics. I know some people are from Buffalo that are in Atlanta, a ton of them. I, I actually believe Kyrie's mom is in the chat right now and she lives in Atlanta. So mom, go ahead and follow the Falcoholics and follow Gina. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you. All right. Uh, Renee, why don't you go ahead and do the same. Let everybody know where they can find your content and what you got coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I love that this 15 minute conversation turned into a much longer conversation we had to cut off, but I'm definitely happy that you had me on. I appreciate you allowing me to join you guys to chat about this much needed topic, but I'm everywhere at Renee P. Washington. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn at Renee P. Washington, and then my website, ReneePWashington.com. So all my work around ESPN, um, Fox Sports, everything I'm doing is super easy to find there. And thank you guys again for allowing me to join you and virtually and have a seat at the table. Yeah, no, thank you. You know, we were supposed to do this before and, and I'm not happy it didn't happen, but I'm happy that it happened tonight. You know, this this was the perfect time for it to happen. Yep. Yep. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Go follow Renee. She, she's awesome. And I'm telling you, you'll be entertained as well. Go ahead and follow <laughs> her on Twitter. Thank you, Renee. All right. And then, uh, look, before I let you get out of here, man, I, I, I know, like I said, we went over, so I'm not going to do this long, but I just want to publicly say, man, I love you, man. Like, I love I'm you so much. My man. I love you, dog. Yeah, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of everything that you're doing. I'm, I'm proud of uh, being MC. I'm, I'm proud of all the initiatives that you guys are, are putting forth and that you're doing that you have your hands in. And um, hey, man, you're 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 somebody that I admire and I look up to not just as a friend, but like you're a role model to me. So I appreciate you, bro. I love you. I, you know what it is, vice versa, man. We say this like we take turns saying this to each other because, you know, to, to, to be at where we are at 
and come from where we come from, it is a huge feat. So same here, man. I love you, dude. Yeah, so let everybody, well, you, you're you not really, well, you do the socials a bit. Uh, yeah, um, let everybody you know, know where they can find you. Yeah, it's Kyrie, you crazy, like the letter you crazy. And, uh, you know, Kyrie Stevens on like LinkedIn and uh, Facebook. But, you know, if you, you know, you're going to be entertained, like, you know, you're going to see my kids and we're going to act crazy. So yeah, they crazy. <laughs> they crazy. Well, y'all know how I do it over here. It's your boy, Jay Spence, the King. And this was the Code of Conduct. I really, really, really want y'all. Wait. I'm on vacation for real now. I'm not coming back for a little bit of time. I promise y'all. I'm taking some time off. I'm going to relax and let my hair down. I need to let it down after this. Y'all love each other. Take care of each other and live in peace. And as always, stay positive. Test negative. Go Bills. Contact.